gift to Tilly the Border Collie. Can an Apple Watch save your life? Is helping others a universal human tendency? And what would you pay to get nearly to space? Get the answers to these questions and more on this week's episode of Knickknack News, a news podcast featuring exciting tech breakthroughs, scientific discoveries, and fun, uplifting news stories without the political drama. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story this week is dog news. (laughs) This is from khq.com, which is a random local news (laughs) website. The headline is, Dog ejected from car during Sunday crash found on sheep farm hurting sheep. So, um, well, that's that's a happy ending it is. to that sentence. It is. <laughs> that's why I brought it. It is a happy, fun story, actually. Even though there was a car collision involved, um, so there was a car crash on over the weekend, um, and there was this dog in the car. I actually didn't write down where this happened. I could look that up later, but um, this. Border Collie named Tilly was in the car and ended up getting loose and like ran away from the scene through a field. And so people were looking for them. And um, he was found on a sheep farm and was like herding sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Instincts kicked in. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And now he is back home and um, is totally fine. So... (laughs) That's well, the whole that's story. Good. <laughs> that just made me smile. Yeah, thankfully the headline wasn't just dog ejected from car. <laughs> I would have had some no, real questions that I... there. That's <laughs> that's such a relief. You would have been like, why did you bring this up? I'm glad that Tilly's okay. Yes. I'm glad those sheep are herded. Uh, yeah. It seems like all around a pretty, pretty good yep. outcome. Yep, good outcome. Good outcome. My first story this week is Apple Watch news. This podcast brought to you by Apple Watch. I have an Apple Watch. I have an Apple Watch. It's not actually brought to you by Apple Watch. It is not. If that wasn't clear. Uh, but the story is from AppleInsider.com. And the headline is Apple Watch saves women from a high risk blood clot. Oh. So this is a. An Apple Watch saving a life story, which apparently has been happening somewhat often, like with like the uh, like the various health detection features that the watch has. Wow. Um, so yeah, like I said, the Apple Watch has saved helped save the life of a woman from a potentially deadly blood clot uh, by waking her up from a nap. Uh, Kimmy Watkins was feeling unwell one day and decided that a nap could help her uh, feel better. Uh, she had felt lightheaded and dizzy, believing that it was down to not eating much food. Um, but after about an hour and a half, her Apple watch alerted her to a high heart rate of 178 beats per minute, which is quite high, especially when you're just laying there. Um, and, uh, it said that her heart rate had been too high for too long. Um, and like, while she seemed to not be like active, so like it apparently will alert you if that happens. Um, so she's, she went to her physician and she was told she had a saddle pulmonary embolism, um, 
According to University of Cincinnati's College of Medicine cardiologist, Dr. Rachel Becker, it's the most severe and life-threatening blood clot you can get as it saddles both the blood vessel to the right lung and to the left lung. So basically you have a blockage to both of your lungs, like to the blood vessels to both of your lungs, which is obviously extremely dangerous because if your lungs don't have blood, you can't breathe. Um, So uh, she said... The, this doctor said that there was a 50% survival rate for people who like develop this kind of pulmonary embolism. So, uh, not very, it's, it's very, very dangerous basically. Um, and this person did not have a history of heart problems. Um, but by going into the physician, she also discovered that she had a clotting disorder, um, which is also a good thing to know about. Uh, and, uh, she said that she hopes this will, uh, others, that others will take to wearing health monitoring, smart wearables like the Apple watch or something similar, just because like this literally like probably saved her life. Cause otherwise who knows like what would have happened? Like if she just stayed there napping, but her watch woke her up. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. I, yeah, I, I think it's so cool. Anytime, well, okay, my background is biomedical engineering, so obviously I think this is cool. But <laughs> anytime <laughs> she's people, biased, is what I'm she's biased. <laughs> anytime people can use technology at home to just help them be in more control of their health, I just think it's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is like a cool tool because it like it doesn't like suggest that it's like it doesn't diagnose you with anything. It just is right. giving you a tool and being like, hey, you should probably go to the doctor about this. Or Um, it can point out if something is out of the norm mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, that's really valuable because I think a lot of people don't necessarily know when that's the case. It's like, right. Like when I got my uh, appendicitis, like three months ago, I thought I just had food poisoning or something and turns out, no, no, (laughs) my appendix was severely infected. So, so, uh, and yeah, I, (laughs) I didn't know what was going on. So I'm glad I ended up going to the ER for that, but still like, I don't know. It's neat to have those tools that like inform you of these kind of things. That's what I'm getting at. Well, okay. Someone I know personally that I won't say exactly who actually their Fitbit was telling, was showing them a trend of their heart rate increasing over time. And they were like, that's weird. And they ended up going and getting it checked out and like different tests and stuff. And then it turned out they had lymphoma. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so these things can be really valuable for that yeah, kind of thing. Just, just like, like, and it doesn't hurt to be like out of the norm and be cautious and like obviously don't necessarily take it as like your only source of information, but it can definitely alert you to like, hey, you should probably go talk to a specialist about this. Yeah. So I mean, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's just really cool. And obviously, like the, these devices and stuff, they can't they cannot diagnose. No. things and, they, and, and you should not use them to and you shouldn't use them and you shouldn't google your symptoms you should and go you should, to a doctor <laughs> <laughs> you should go to a doctor yes talk to a doctor if you're concerned about something but yeah. they just um yeah they just show you data and sometimes that data can make you think like oh i might want to like look into this so yeah yeah that's so cool my next story is science news This is from phys.org. Phys, like... Physics. Yes. Not... Not... Like soda. Soda. Uh, it's not F-I-Z-E-Z-Z. Sorry. I don't know why I said Z. <laughs> Fize. Fize. Fize.org. <laughs> <laughs> 
The headline is, Study Shows Human Tendency to Help Others is Universal. <laughs> oh. oh. Alex just made a large hand gesture. Yes, it's like a, like a sweeping rainbow. I don't know what, yes. I, what this gesture was. No, I th- we all understood. Good. A new study on the human capacity for cooperation suggests that people of diverse cultures are more similar in some ways than you might expect. The study published in Scientific Reports shows that people everywhere tend to help others when needed. That's, I'm glad that we've well, proven that's this. Reassuring. So you're saying the average human isn't a sociopath. Yeah, that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Our reliance on each other for help is constant. This study finds that in everyday life, I thought this was interesting, someone will signal a need for assistance. For example, like, Help. Really small things, like to oh. pass a utensil, like that type of stuff. Oh, okay. Not like help. Not like I'm, I'm in, yeah, No, not like, not like urgent, terrible things. Like, <laughs> okay. like just everyday, like, oh, can you, can you hand me that? Or can you turn that on? Or that, can you turn off the light? I don't know, stuff like that. Gotcha. They're counting in this. So someone signals a need for assistance of some kind once every two minutes and 17 seconds on average. In everyday life, according to this study. That seems high. Or often. Yeah, it seems often, but at the same time, it's like... I guess if, yeah, okay. if you're like around people doing things. If I'm like sitting on the couch, I'm definitely not. <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know. Do you ask your cat for assistance? <laughs> <laughs> Oliver, Oliver f- can you go fetch, over there? <laughs> fetch me a beverage, Oliver. <laughs> So across cultures, these small requests for assistance are are complied with seven times more often than they are declined, okay. according to their statistics. So everyone in the world, pretty much, or across all the cultures that they've looked at, which is a lot all over the place, you're seven times more likely to like do the th- thing that you're asked than not do the thing. Yeah, Okay. And on rare occasions when people do decline, they explain why. Like, so people don't just, like, say no. They, say like... no, because I don't want to. Yeah. I don't think that's... <laughs> that's probably not what they mean. <laughs> no, no. Um, like, they no, offer an explanation. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not that either. Um, so here's, like, just, like, some bullets of, like, key findings that they did. So um, I already said the average time of like frequency, sorry, of the request for assistance. Um, They also said that those types of decisions are many orders more frequent than high cost decisions, such as, this is the example, sharing the spoils of a successful whale hunt or contributing to the construction of a village road, the sorts of decisions that have found to be significantly influenced by culture. So like big things, like if if you're like, like something that's a big deal, or you're spending a lot of time. Like or a like, whale hunt. Like a whale hunt. <laughs> you know. Um, again, there, there, this was like looking at like the whole world of this. That it's, uh-huh. it's, you know, um, lots of interesting examples in this article. But yeah, they're saying like anything that would be considered like a big time commitment or like you're giving a lot of yourself or whatever, that type of decision making of whether you're going to help or not is influenced by culture. So, like, different cultures, okay. people are more likely to, like, say yes or no to that type of stuff. Okay. That's interesting. 
Yeah. And that apparently that's been actually studied in the past. And then, so they were kind of looking at like, okay, what about like smaller requests? Yeah. And then they found, turn on the light. Yeah. And they found that that is not influenced by culture, which is why this was like, oh, Uh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, they also said that the frequency of the small requests varies by the type of activity that people engaged in. Like you said, like if you're just sitting on the couch, but they said (laughs) small requests are most frequent in task focused activities, for example, like cooking and stuff like that. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and somehow they have this statistic of like those types of activities. The actual average for that is one request every one minute and 42 seconds, which is like (laughs) very frequent. (laughs) Like that's a lot. I don't know. Just like listening Um, in on our phones during dinner time. Like what's going on here? Yeah. I didn't actually read the publication, so I don't know how they got all this data, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they just like got people's consent to like record them at home for a day or something or an evening or yeah, that would make sense or just in different at work or like different scenarios mm-hmm. um yeah they also expanded here on that when people decline to assist they tend to avoid saying no often letting the rejection be inferred solely from the reason they provide for not complying <laughs> such a scientific way to say that like i know it's like they just say uh i actually have to be over there yeah yeah <laughs> right exactly it's like the, the whole thing of like to, giving an excuse I'm, uh, i need to, uh, to be in a different location I, right I, I i would but i can't because of this um so yeah, yeah they they said actually they said that 63 percent of rejections co- consist of just giving a reason for non-compliance <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was like kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. They're like complying with the request. (laughs) Non-compliance. Non-compliance. Demerit. Um, But yeah. So anyway, the whole, the point of it is just like people help each other. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what, where you're from or like, yeah, like what country you live in and different things that that's just like a natural. Oh, something else. Actually, I think I forgot to mention is that they also found that this, the results did not change depending on like who the people were interacting with. Like if it was like family or friends or like people that were more acquaintances. Oh, that's kind of cool too. It's like strangers will just help. Yeah. Like it wasn't that, w- that variable was thought about too. Like, and it mm-hmm. also did not affect it. So it's not like only your family, you do this. Like it's like, if it's a small request, people just are, their tendency is to just do it and help. Yeah. Isn't that uh-huh. interesting? Yeah. That's nice. It is nice. <laughs> Makes me feel good. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully it makes all the listeners feel good, too. Yeah. My next story is spaceflight news. This is from Yahoo News. Uh, Virgin Galactic sets dates for first space tourism flights. So, There's dates for this? So people are going to fly up wow. to space. I guess I, I don't actually know if you end up in space or near it or, like... You can see it, I guess, but I can also see it like from here. The upper- so. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the, the like upper atmosphere flights where they kind of like I go think up so. high? I, I think like- they technically get into like what's considered outer space, but like not very far into it. It's yeah, I don't know. I it's all technicalities. It depends. It's space for some definition of space. Um, but yeah, Virgin Galactic will launch its first com- commercial space tourism flights before the end of June. Uh, the company has announced. 
Uh, a team of specialists with the Italian Air Force and the National Research Center of Italy will be shooting up to the edge of space to conduct microgravity research uh, with a launch window in the three days from June 27th. Like, it's like, that doesn't seem like a commercial flight to me. That sounds like a research flight, but mm. I guess and if they're technically just like buying tickets to go, like it's not their own thing. I don't know. It's a technicality, it feels like to me. It's not, it's not just like civilians going up. But anyway, hmm. the company said that commercial flights will then continue in early August. And I think that's going to be like just kind of like rando people who can afford it. Um, they said uh, there will be monthly flights after August and that the the last test flight for this whole system was conducted in May. So it like just okay. happened last month. Um, they've apparently sold about 800 tickets for this over the past decade um, with the initial batch going for $200,000 a piece. Um, so back wow. if you bought them 10 years ago, <laughs> they were $200,000 a piece, and now they cost uh, $450,000 per person. Okay. That is, so, the, the price has increased significantly. So yeah, like any flight, buy early. That's the key. <laughs> it's like, don't buy it right before the flight. Yeah. Buy it 10 years ahead 10 of time. 10 years ahead of time. Wow. Um, you'll save $250,000. Uh, that's universal. That applies to every flight. Um, Anyway, uh, that's not true. After reaching an altitude of nearly... <laughs> so this is what the actual trip involves. Uh, they reach an altitude of nearly 50,000 feet, uh, and then Virgin Galactic space plane is released from a carrier aircraft and drops for a moment before igniting its rocket motor, which sounds made up. Uh, the plane shuts off once it reaches space, which provides passengers with silence, weightlessness, and an aerial view of Earth um, before the rocket ship glides back to the runway at Spaceport America in the New Mexico desert. Spaceport America. Spaceport America. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what the trip consists of. It's just like you go up in space for a second and then you fall back down. Glide. You glide back down. Glide. You don't fall. That would be sad. Um, yeah, I don't think I would pay that much money for that. I don't think I would either. So. Sorry. If anyone was wondering, that's my take. <laughs> It's too expensive. It's too, it's too expensive. Um, it's actually too expensive. It's, it's so expensive. Yeah. It's ridiculously expensive. Uh, I don't. I don't understand actually why it has hmm. to be that. Should I? Should I buy a house or should yeah. I? Should yeah. I be in space for a couple seconds? I don't know. Oh, let's think about. Hmm. Yeah, this is for people who where that isn't actually a weird choice. Which yeah, I guess go for it. Yeah. The, those people can... Good luck. Can, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Good luck. Bye. Have fun. Take pictures. Yeah. So, have, a good, have a good time. Yeah. I will not be going I on won't the space be there. flight. Yeah. But like, definitely let me know how it was. Actually, don't. I don't know you. <laughs> and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how the space flight is. I just yeah, don't want to go on it. Yeah, I just don't want to go on it. That's true. I'm too afraid. Oh, yeah. No. I'm like, even scared. even if it was, like, not even cost prohibitive, like, I wouldn't do it, probably. Yeah. To be honest. Honestly, even if it was, like, they built a track up to space and then all the way back down, like, I still would not feel safe enough. Really? No. Even if you were on a track? You're going so high. What I if mean, the track falls? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> even if, like, even I though, don't want to be the one that finds though, out. Even though <laughs> that the physics of that 
wouldn't work, but I'm I'm setting that aside. I'm setting that aside. Let's say that it was like a sturdy track, like like a roller coaster type situation where it's like up pretty sturdy, but it goes space. all the way up to like yeah. in the top atmosphere. You're yeah. out of the atmosphere of the earth and it comes back down. Yeah. You wouldn't still do that because it's still too high. Yeah, too scary. Yeah. I don't do well with like terrestrial roller coasters that go too high. I'm thinking about this because <laughs> I that would you right, do the ter- roller coasters? Terrestrial would roller you- coasters are also scary to me as well. Yeah. So I'm thinking like Would you do the- space roller coaster? Here's my thing with mm-hmm. roller coasters is that if something happens and the thing falls off the track, there's no recourse. Like there's just no you're done. <laughs> like whereas when you're in like a plane or something, if like something's kind of going wrong, you can sort of like do there's I don't know. Things there's you things, can things do. you can do. Yeah. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to explain this. But yeah, like, that's fair. When you're in a roller coaster, my fear of like, oh no, the thing fell off the track. Like, you can't. You what do there's you do? There's nothing. To there's do nothing. There. Yeah. There's just. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess I agree with you. I wouldn't go then either. I guess. Yeah. That's the conclusion. Okay. Well, we're not going. We're not going. So it's decided. <laughs> I guess. Send pictures. I'm sure it'll be cool. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. If you'd like to share a story with us about space roller coasters or anything else, you can send us an email at knickknacknews at gmail.com. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.